God is good, amen. We open up with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter, the first epistle of Peter. We are uh, in a new uh, sermon series that begins today uh, called Character Matters. And uh, we have uh, finished out uh, a lot of conversations about what it means to be uh, in the world and, and how do we share our faith and how do we share and just be more like Jesus uh, for the world to see. But, but what we need to continue to remember is that God is molding and he's shaping each and every one of us and the character does matter uh, a lot. And so that's uh, kind of the, the thought behind this uh, sermon series. And it also flows along with a lot of what Peter talks about in his first epistle. And so uh, that's really what we're going to really focus on uh, together as we go through this sermon series. Uh, let's begin by reading First uh, Peter chapter 1, and we're going to start in uh, verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And as obedient children... Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who has called you to be holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Will you pray with me, please? Almighty Heavenly Father, you are holy, you are good, you are full of justice and righteousness and good deeds. Father, as we open your word, we, we have grateful hearts because you've chosen to speak to us through these early apostles, through these early writers. And we pray that through this time that your spirit will guide and lead and shape each one of us to be who you called us to be. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I was 15 years old. And it was a really bad breakup. I, I mean, I just didn't see it coming. I guess uh, Lisa was her name. She had fallen in love with Tony. Tony was older than I was, maybe better looking, at least to her. I just know, and I, I remember specifically, that I had said some really awful things about Tony. Some really bad things. So bad that my teacher heard what I said and called me on it. And she said these words to me. She said, Jeremy, I thought you were a Christian. Yeah, right? That was the first time I heard that, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's not the last time <laughs> I've heard that phrase. And I've often thought if I could travel back in time... Well, first of all, I'd say, Jeremy, don't be such an idiot. Watch what you say, right? 
But I'd also probably pull that teacher inside and say, hey, he's 15, right? He's 15. He made some bad choices with his words. But you can't question a 15-year-old over their salvation over a slip of a tongue. Shame doesn't transform, does it? I thought you were a Christian is shame. You see, shame leads to secrecy. Shame leads to hidden sins. Shame leads to threatening your sibling if you tell anyone. If you be transformed to be more like Jesus Christ, shame doesn't work. If you want to be transformed to be more like Jesus Christ, you need the Holy Spirit. Amen? It is the Holy Spirit that transforms you. It is the Holy Spirit that changes you. And let me tell you something. That takes time and that takes patience. And no amount of shame is going to speed up that process. Shame actually slows you down. Just not good enough or the thoughts that you think. God would never love me or the thoughts you think. And what does that lead to? It leads to apathy. It leads to depression. It leads to guilt. And listen, folks, here's the truth. Our guilt and our shame has been nailed to the cross. Amen? We are forgiven. We are made right. As Peter says later, we're a holy nation of people belonging to God. I don't always feel holy, though, do you? I don't always feel holy. I think the problem is our understanding of the passage that we just read. What does it mean when God says, be holy because I am holy? Holiness, we've been taught, is something that is inaccessible right? You can't make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and put it on fine china, amen? In fact, you'd never use that china. It sits in the china cabinet where it's supposed to be, inaccessible, right? Holiness is something that is inaccessible. Our attempts at making ourselves holy seems to be like peanut butter and jelly on china, and holiness has been taught as something that is unattainable, right? We watch as Jesus walks through this world. We read about it. We see his moral purity, and we are reminded that I didn't even make it to church this morning, amen, without sinning. Maybe I yelled at my kids, or I lost my temper on the highway. Holiness seems like something that is inaccessible and unattainable. It was the teacher uh, and preacher, Tim Keller, who uses an illustration to help us understand this Hebrew word for holy that we read here in Peter's words. Just imagine that you're reading a newspaper and you're really getting into it, right? You're gathering this information and you find something that, uh, just an article that would be perfect 
Maybe you want to use it to pitch a promotion at work. Maybe you want to use it to, uh, uh, in a sales pitch at work. Maybe you want to use it in a paper that you're writing for school. What do you do? You set it apart. You cut it out of the paper. You set it apart from the newspaper. Why? Because if you don't do that, you can't use it. To cut something out, to set it apart for our use, is what the Bible word here for holy is. To be holy means that we are set apart for God's use. Now that is something that is attainable. That is something that is accessible. To be set apart for God's use is the definition we're going to use this morning when we address this concern. I want this quote to be up on the screen so you can see it. Transformation, N.T. Wright says, does not happen in a vacuum. It requires our cooperation, and it takes shape in community. And God designed holiness just like that. That it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It requires cooperation with who, right? The Holy Spirit. And it takes shape right here in this community with all you imperfect bunch. For the rest of our time this morning, I want to look at how we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit to become set apart for God. If you want to follow along your notes, write this down, set apart your mind. You need to set your mind apart for God. And that's what Peter says, right? It, it, it's almost like a war call, right? He says, come on, folks, prepare your minds for action. Set your minds apart for God. Uh, Jeff this week was helping a friend fix his truck. He seems to do that every week, it seems like. Uh, Jeff had to remove a lot of parts to get to that one part that wasn't working in the truck. And while he was doing it, Jeff uh, took the cover off of his air filter. And y'all should have seen this air filter. It was clogged with dirt, debris, leaves, there were pieces of paper stuck up in this. In fact, when we took it off, we could hear the car exhale. Jeff actually had to go to the pharmacy and get an inhaler for this car. It was bad. The air filter is pretty important because it can restrict airflow, which could lead to other problems in your car, right? We should care about our, our filter is working, amen? Y'all need to care about how your filter is working, amen? Y'all need to be thinking about how your filter is working. What are you putting in your mind? Because there are forces at work here in this world that would like to take your mind captive. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that though we live in the world, 
we don't wage war like the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, and we demolish arguments and pretensions that set itself up against the knowledge of God. And what do we do? How can we live in cooperation with the Holy Spirit to take our minds and set it apart? We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That is how we set our minds apart in holiness, right? Paul really makes it sound like we are at war here, and we really are, because there are spiritual forces at work trying to pollute our minds. What do you watch? that may be polluting your minds? What are you listening to that may be polluting your minds? Paul says in Philippians that whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Holiness means that we set our minds apart. Check that filter, Christians. Secondly, you need to set apart your will. Your will. Peter says that we should be self-controlled. And later he says that we're not to conform to evil desires. That takes a lot of will, amen? And I think this is a hard one for us. Because we don't like to be told what to do. Come on, right? We don't like to be told what to do. I'm an adult. I drive a Ford Taurus. <laughs> According to the Cleveland Clinic, experts call this feeling or need to rebel psychological reactance. It's your brain's reaction when you feel like you're, there's a threat to your freedom or think your choices are being limited. This response can make you feel annoyed, panicked, angry when rules or guidelines are put in place, and it can lead you to do the exact opposite of what you're being told to do, even when safety is involved. In some instances, when our psychological re reactions run wild, it leads to fights, relationship issues, other problems. But there's some people who have better tolerance and understanding of their brain's psychological reactance. When they have a negative reaction, thinking their freedom is in question, they've learned to step back, pause for a moment, determine what's really important about the situation. Others hasn't developed in that way. Instead, they make choices based on ego and strong emotions that lead to self-sabotage and unsafe behavior. You know, the Cleveland Clinic is not a Christian company, but boy, did they not give us a picture of sin, amen? Isn't that what Adam and Eve did in the garden? They were told, do not eat from that tree. And instead of stepping back... 
And thinking about what their choices might do, they gave way to evil desire and they chose to eat from the tree. Our sinful nature is fighting back against us. And God tells us we should live or do this or that. And here we are not stepping back, not being self-controlled, but giving way to the evil desires of this world. And we end up self-sabotaging. But that's not how Jesus lived, was it? He set his mind fully on the cross. And you remember those words he said in Luke chapter 22. Not my will, but yours be done. Oh, if we could just set apart our will for God. We also need to set apart our hearts. I think this is the the final part of, of what we need to set apart to be holy. We set apart our minds, we set apart our will, and we set apart our heart. And Peter says specifically to set our hope fully on grace. To set our hope fully on grace. Hope and the heart are connected. It's the Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12 that says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Are we not heart sick when we are disappointed over and over and over again? Are we not sick in our hearts when our hope is disappointed? Think about everything. Think about everyone you've ever given your heart to. Your parents, they've let you down. Your loved ones, your spouses, they've let you down. Your job has let you down. Heck, the churches, we can do it too, can't we? Let each other down. But what if we set our hearts and our hope fully on grace? Then you can't be let down. Corey Asbury uh, has a song called The Father's House that, that I just love to listen to on the radio. And I just have to share these lyrics for you because they, they really cut deep to what it means to set our hearts, our hope on God. Sometimes on this journey, I, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. And my story isn't over, my story's just begun. Your failure, my failure won't define me because that's what my father does. Arrival's not the end game. The journey's where you are. You never wanted perfect. You wanted my heart. The story isn't over if the story isn't good. A failure's never final when the father's in the room. Be holy 
Because I am holy, God says. Being holy means to be more like Jesus. And Jesus gave his heart. Jesus gave his will. Jesus gave his mind completely to God. And although I wish to be more morally pure, I realize that being set apart is something that I can attain to, something that I can grab a hold to, something that is accessible for me here and now because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Because as we break bread together, because as we drink juice together, we're reminded of Jesus who defines us as holy. Let your perfection come from Jesus Christ and the forgiveness and the grace that is found in the cross. And just set yourself aside, God. Let him use you. Let him change you. Let him transform you. Father, we acknowledge that we are not able on our own two feet to do what you said that you will do for us. Lord, we have sinned, we continue to sin, and we repent of that way of life, a way of life that gives way to evil desires. And we choose, Lord, today to give our hearts, our will, our mind fully to you. And I pray, Lord, I pray for strength that, Lord, we can live who you've called, how you've called us to live. I pray for strength. I pray for power by your Holy Spirit to do what you've said you've done. And we say thank you for your grace. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.